Welcome to the Hex Knight Podcast. I'm David, as always. And I am Ivan. And today we're going to talk about non-player characters in games. You know, all the people that uh, exist in the campaign world that aren't your player characters, I guess. Um, right. Except we've kind of talked about some NPCs, so I, uh, because we've talked about, like, you know, making uh, encounters. We talked about villains. Uh, we talked about, you know, creepy crawlies to fight. And I think, like, technically those are all NPCs. But when people say NPC, like, at least to me, I always think, like, like somebody you're not really, like, they're not really a, an opponent necessarily. They're, like, a per- person who exists in the world and they might be neutral or you interact with them in some way. But they're not, like, I don't know, to me, like, NPC and, like, monsters was always different. I don't know if that makes sense, though. It absolutely does to me because, like... They're almost, they're more part of the setting than the player interactions with the world. Mm-hmm. They don't move the plot along. I would say they're being part of the setting. They're going to react to things that players do that are, uh, that kind of break rules. So if mm-hmm. you're like attacking guards and stuff, NPCs will roll in, more guards will <laughs> roll in to stop shenanigans. You know, they want to go right. about, regular business they don't they're not a part of your adventure they don't want to be part of your adventure so not necessarily um but they might be um peripheral to your adventure like Hmm. uh if you have like um you know like old old uh adventures always have like the wizard that uh gives you your quest or something yeah, uh, and you go, and every time you find one of the MacGuffins, like you go back there, uh, and maybe he can like identify your items. Like a lot of times, I feel like the, especially like old school fantasy gaming, like the magical helper who can like fix all your shit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like you totally. Come back, you come back missing an arm, and your magic armor is broken, so you get fixed up. Um, and sometimes that just kind of like serves a practical function, you know. Like if there's, if the group doesn't have like a healer, then maybe there's like an NPC we know. Who um, who can fix up characters, or if the group needs like if it's a game where like weapons get damaged, then you need somebody to fix it. So maybe mm-hmm. you like know the blacksmith, and like you might give that character a name, and they might have like a bit of personality, but they're kind of just there to like do a thing, right? Like they're just kind of like a game mechanic. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. I mean, that's well, essentially, yeah. That that's part of what they're there for is to like flesh out a game mechanic and make it less mechanical and more story oriented. Yeah. And make sure that the group doesn't have to account for like every possibility on their own. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, cause otherwise it can often be that become a bit of like, okay, well I have to take this skill cause no one else did. And it doesn't make sense for my character, but somebody gotta, you know, so it ends up and that can get kind of like, uh, like artificial, you know, um, but I think um, another, and this has kind of like gone out of favor, is like uh, having like companions or henchmen, or because that was always the thing in like old school Dungeons and Dragons, right? Like your charisma would tell you how many henchmen you could have, and you were kind of supposed to have this like squad of dudes like rolling around with you. So when you're like fighting like a dragon, you could like sick those guys in the dragon while you sneak away in the back. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and that kind of like went away. Like a lot of games, that's maybe like too complicated to, um, you know, that you have all these characters to keep track of. Um, but in I, a sense, it does. 
um, if you recognize them um, each as individual characters with their own stat sets equal mm-hmm. to any of the player characters. Yeah, that, that would be a total mess, but... Yeah, that gets pretty intense, you know, like... Uh, although you don't necessarily have to, like, uh, in uh, Pendragon, which I've talked about <laughs> a lot, uh, your <laughs> squire has... I think they get three skills that you track, and then everything else you just roll against their age. Uh, like, you know, the older the, your squire is, the more skilled they are, right? So you just roll a die and try to roll equal under their age. Um, and that works really well because your squad doesn't really need like you know much of anything. You can write down on the sheet if they have like a special skill, like they're good with playing dice or something. You just write that in. But they basically just occupy like a little like two by one inch square at the bottom of the sheet, and that's all you need. Um, then you name them and you know whatever, because uh, they are there to not be full characters. They can't go and do all the knightly business. Uh, if they could, they wouldn't be squires. They would be knights, right? Right. I, I like um, it. That that's clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works really well. Um, and we had when we played, um, we did have uh, an encounter where the squires got sent off to do something, and it was kind of funny because they're just not supposed to be able to do much of anything mm-hmm. uh, on, unless it's squire business. So they so it ended up being more like a, a role playing encounter where they had to like figure out how to how to do something. Uh, but it worked really well because, again, their purpose isn't to be a fully fledged character. It's just to like provide support. Right. So, like, if you are have lost your sword, you can have your squire like try to bring you another sword, and you roll against their skill, or like that's what they're there for. And in that context, it works really well. Um, and as a knight, like you would expect, you know, you have a retinue of like some characters and some people. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a um, good point. That's something. I feel that feeds off of like how historically accurate and mm-hmm. kind of like simulationy or crunchy mm-hmm. you want your game to be. Like, yeah, kind of with like knights, they've got all this hardware, and yeah, realistically, they can't manage it by themselves. So they're gonna have yeah, a squad. You gotta have a yeah, you gotta have a dude along with you. And like, what's the point of doing some cool stuff unless somebody's there to like write a story about it? So you gotta like have a scribe, and you gotta have you know. So you have, like, this whole entourage. Um, but, again, like, most of those are not, like, you know, if you have a scribe with you, he might be good at, like, uh, rhetoric or something. Like, that's the one thing he's good at, so that's what you write down. But he's not going to, like, go fight, like, some Saxons. <laughs> like, he's just, a, he's just a, a nerd with a scroll, you know? So, uh, yeah, he doesn't need anything else. Like, you could just assume, you know, whatever is, like, a bad skill value in the game, you just give him that, you know? Like, he is a, you know... If he's scribing, he needs to roll like a 15 or less than a d20. And if he's doing anything else, he pretty much needs to roll like a 3 or less or whatever. He doesn't (laughs) need... Um, But uh, conversely, uh, if you have a game that's not like super complicated, like um, when we played uh, original D&D, you and me and uh, our friend Dustin, uh, I think we had two characters each just because there was only three of us, and otherwise it was just like, <laughs> you just get destroyed, you know? Uh, oh, but yeah. the game was so, like, stupid simple that it did, really didn't matter. Like, they were barely characters, mm-hmm. you know? Because uh, that wasn't, like, the point was t- that it was going to be like an old school, like, dungeon crawl, and it was more about, like, figuring out, like, the dungeon stuff. Um, so everyone had a couple of characters, and we just kind of, like, played with that. Um, right. So that worked pretty well, exactly because it was like really simple. Mm-hmm. Um, now, 
a thing, and this is one of those things that like never happened in the groups I played in growing up. But looking online, like it happened, a lot of people do. Is uh, you'll have the uh, the GM will like have also play a character, like they're in the group, and they're kind of like they are technically a player character, like they use the same rules, but they're also like they're inevitably also like the character that's like connected to the plot or something. Um, yeah. Did you ever have that happen? I'm thinking about it. I don't think we did. I think we enjoyed having the surprise and a bit of antagonism between the player group and the game master. Mm. Um, yeah. And so that's separate. If if the game master is has character, then that that goes away just <laughs> automatically. Yeah. Then right, right, right. Um, like I see it come up a lot, especially in like modern D D, where you're kind of like expected to have certain roles in the party. So if the party's like short, the GM will like create like a cleric or something. That's usually it's usually like the thief or the cleric. Uh, I, so I can see certain types of people would want to like, yeah, I, I want to have a character in the game, mm-hmm. not just like run the game. Like right, right, right. So, but yeah, it's kind of a weird. Um, uh, it got me thinking. So there's a board game mm. called uh, Siege of the Citadel, and it's for five players ideally. And right. uh, but when you pl- when you play a given mission, you only have four of the players play their squad or whatever. The last player plays the monsters, but you still get points for your squad when you're playing as the monsters. Mm. So you're in- incentivized to basically like, be as mean as you can within the <laughs> limits of the rules. <laughs> uh, and it always felt like maybe it would be like too weird, uh, but like if you were uh, taking turns GMing, like. You know, each person takes like you get two or three sessions to do a little adventure, mm-hmm. uh, and and while you're doing that, your character is like off traveling somewhere, and then they come back, and you get to like roll for like they got an item while they were traveling, so you get a reward for uh, having GM for the group, something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it wouldn't be like super suitable for like a deep plot or something, but if you are playing a game that's mostly just like like bozoing around and like uh, hacking up monsters in dungeons, it could work pretty well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but I have played in games where the last D&D game I was in, uh, we had, there was a couple of NPCs that they were clearly NPCs. They had their own agenda. Uh, they were connected to the plot specifically because they were an NPC. Uh, mm-hmm. but, and they would occasionally accompany us and occasionally they would like, they had their own things they needed to do. So they would leave us and they would go off and we would find them or meet them later. Uh, which is really cool uh, and something that I always kind of like wanted to do more of because um, hmm. it felt very like alive like oh okay here's this person we've met before we've like adventured with them then they traveled off because they had to go take care of business in like a different country and now we meet them again and we get to catch up uh, so that yeah. was really cool it, it, yeah it, that comes back to like how good is the DM at managing that hmm. sort of thing um, you can do yeah, like a Gandalf case, it, yeah, it was very much like that. In this this case, the GM was that was like their strong suit was there was uh, doing NPCs and doing like personalities that were like very consistent over time, and mm-hmm. uh, so uh, which was really cool. Like I said, it was like a way of like making the world feel more alive. You know, like uh, it's like in a you read a fantasy novel or something, and they um, the characters meet somebody that like oh they met this character like like eight books ago if it's like wheel of time or something yeah totally (laughs) uh and you're like oh i remember like oh that's cool but now like a bunch of stuff has happened and what did they get up to you know like that's 
I think is one of those things that like if you're more focused on like story and stuff, that's a really mm-hmm. strong like um, a strong way of uh, getting that across or like emphasizing that. Yeah, yeah, totally. When I've run games, I like to mix some of that in. I like uh-huh. to keep a pretty good balance between tactical, strategic, and like adventure kind of sword and sorcery stuff, and having uh-huh. actual like interesting characters uh, come into the situation and mess with the players in like a non-confrontational way. Again, yeah, just um, mix it up. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's. I guess that's the other kind of um, NPC where they are not specifically like serving a, they might not serve a uh, rules purpose and they're not specifically like a uh, companion, like they don't go with you, but they are there Mm -hmm. to kind of just like flesh out the world, you know, like there is a particular like beggar in one street and every time you go there, you can go talk to this guy and he might have something to say and maybe it's useful because he sees stuff or maybe it's not. Um, Many years ago, um, holy shit, like 20 years ago, <laughs> uh, before I had moved to the States, we were playing uh, White Wolf's uh, Trinity, which is a sci-fi game. Yeah, and There was a particular, um, that game was set in New York, uh, or it, it was set in like what a bunch of like 19-year-old Danish people thought New York was like, which I'm sure it was very realistic. We had seen movies. <laughs> um, Batman comics, man. Yeah, you know, which is definitely, like, for real what New York is like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there was this one particular bar in our setting, and they had a um, the bar owner. And I don't even remember what the character was like. I just remember everyone thought he was hilarious. And he was supposed to just be, like, a bit character. Like, they went to get some information on a case they were investigating. Mm -hmm. And the bar owner was just, like, an outrageous character. And they decided that was, like, the coolest thing ever. So they, like, made that their hangout. Like, their characters would go there regularly to, like, you know, talk to this guy and find out stuff or just to, like, go see what he was doing when they came back from, like, space after a mission. Nice. Uh, yeah, it was cool. Like, it, it just – and he wasn't supposed to mean anything. He was just, like, a weird dude, who'd, like, running a bar, you know. <laughs> uh, but it just, like, happened organically. Um, so – which is really cool. You know, sometimes, like, the players would latch on to something that uh, you didn't expect. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it kind of adds, like it, – it's uh, – the, the organic nature of it kind of makes the game a bit looser – which is a good thing because it it doesn't feel like you're being railroaded through a video game. Yeah, I was going to say it's almost like a, like an open world thing, but not like in like in this open world in terms of the story. Yeah. As opposed to necessarily like the map or whatever. Like, you know, it's, hey. And it's also cool, like, um, from a player perspective, I think. Like, oh, yeah, like, there's a part of the story that is this way because that's something we did. Like, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, the the tricky part, of course, is like throwing out like quips and and good dialogue, kind of on the fly, like going off the map. And yeah, that's definitely like an acquired uh, acquired skill. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's ways. I usually, I'm pretty good at that. Um, but I usually like will write down if I know a character's gonna come up like they are going to a place and they have to go and investigate so there's going to be people to talk to i'll mm-hmm. try to write down at least like a line of like okay this guy's like uh is brash but is kind of cowardly or something sure uh, 
so that way you have something like um just on the fly you can like oh, okay like this will give you like most like casual npcs you really only need like one like thing they'll remember like oh okay this was the guy who was kind of uh um you know trying to look tougher than he was or whatever sure or you know or like the one guard who's like really really lazy so if he's on duty like that's all you need a lot of the time you know mm. you just need like one one or two character traits and then like who who are they and like what are they trying to do sure sure um i think that's that's definitely a good guideline yeah and also like write down a name unless you're like really good that's my like weakness i can't come up with names on the fly <laughs> and if i do there's a big risk that they're not going to be appropriate names to whatever we're, we're playing so I, I always i'll try to name every npc i need and i'll always write down like five extra names just so like if they decide um in one group i played in there was this one guy who would always ask the npcs names uh because he would like, and he was one of those people who would like write it down. Like he would keep track because he was gonna like come back or something. So yeah, I end up just all the t- I would just write down like five or six extra names, or I, I would have a name generator, <laughs> and I would just have like a an arsenal so be prepared. Because otherwise, it's I don't know. Like for some reason, just thinking of names on the fly just like short circuits my brain. <laughs> Um, in a game of Werewolf the Apocalypse many, many years ago, I blurted out the first name that came to mind, and that happened to be uh, the name of the main character in one of the Naked Gun movies. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and one of, the, one of the players who had just watched the movie was like, that is not his name. And I was like, <laughs> shit. And I didn't even realize it was just one of the, you know, like the name got stuck in your head. and <laughs> Just popped up, man. Yeah, it was just going to happen, and you can't name your character after the dude from Naked Gun. Uh, I wonder how many people who are listening to this even remember those films. I haven't watched them in 20 years. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. Kind of sad. Um, yeah, it's one of those things that like, I don't want to go back and watch again, because what if they're, they were bad? <laughs> and I remember them being really funny, so I don't want to like ruin it. If it sure. turns out it was it was stupid and I was just like a dumb kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about quest givers? That's like the video game thing, right? Uh, the NPC who's there to like they have a exclamation mark over their head, and when you click on them, they uh, a quest pops out. Yeah, I mean they they have a lot of value. They're they're mm-hmm. important. Um, I mean, it's just all about how they're, they're handled. The benefit we have in having people run a a role-playing game at the table is that they don't have to be like that static robotic quest giver (laughs) that you get in a video game. Right. Like they can actually like relay the information, even if their role is to give you a quest, but they can do so in a way that like is organic and feels like, you know, like it feels like it makes sense. Like as a human being, correct. Like the the characters might have to hassle them, interrupt them, and other things they're doing. They're not just going to wait there for you unless there's a specific reason. Like it could all be mm-hmm. put in a good context. Yeah, like uh, you know, like you go to the dude's place, but it turns out like he always just hangs out of the bar. Yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> or you need to meet him somewhere that isn't being spied upon, so you do go to his place like at a time when he isn't at the bar or whatever yeah like you can have it like feel more realistic and they can relate like you know depending on how the characters and their relationship are like if you're playing a game where you have like you know the boss like your special agents for like an agency or something you're going to mm-hmm. deal with the same like handler all the time 
So you would have like, you know, if the if the insult they gave you last time was kind of bad, you got into like a big fight. Uh, maybe that changes your relationship with these characters. Sure, sure. Um, in a way that again, like a video game can't really do. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. sometimes, you know, uh, at the same time, sometimes maybe all you want to do, like, it's just a side job because the group needs money, and you ask the GM, like, "Hey, are there any like weird jobs we could do?" And the GM was like, "Uh, yeah, there's an old lady whose goat got stolen, like." You don't need like much more than that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or like, oh, I heard this rumor. There's this old lady who has some problem with her, some troublesome neighbor kids and their goats. <laughs> Go talk to her. Like, right, you know, right. Like that. That sets it up in a way that again is not robotic because it's like kind of vague and contextual. Mm. It's not like, oh, I heard the other day that this lady had her goat stolen. Like. <laughs> Right, you get like this. Yeah, you get like this massive information dump because you know. Yeah, so it makes it a little more uh, realistic feeling. Like you could go talk to the lady, and it gives as a GM, you can kind of like fill it in as you go. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, because sometimes like you can buy yourself a little time while you're talking. You know, like you describe what the the cottage looks like, and she comes out, and they talk to her. Depending on how they react, you kind of know, like okay, this is how this is going to work. Yeah, yeah. A big difference there is, like, having multiple characters operating together to give the quest. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, and, like, how do they relate to each other? Yeah, yeah. And, again, that's you know. that's fitting more into the context of the world instead of just the static quest kind of well that's in character form. <laughs> it's just they're like, reach your hand yeah, like in it. and grab out the quest, and it'll be exactly what you need. Bing, and then you go on your yeah. way. Level appropriate. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like going to going to the McDonald's Adventure McDonald's. You know, the adventure <laughs> fast food. Uh, <laughs> you you roll up on your horse and you speak into the clown's mouth. Right. <laughs> give you, you, you. <laughs> that is definitely how you get like a curse. <laughs> um, but yeah so i think i guess the point here really is that like even like pretty minor npcs can be uh because uh, in a way like it's one of the ways as a gym you can kind of like convey the world right you know like what are people like yeah totally um, and it's one of the where we've talked about this before where um gms sometimes fall into the into the uh, trap of having like every NPC be like a miserable asshole who's mm. out to lie, deceive, or steal. And if you do that too much, um, and I don't, I don't know why people like, unless it's just like, like GMs are dicks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you do it too much, then your players are going to like not care about any of these miserable pricks that want us to save them. You know, mm. like. You have to kind of like make characters, especially if it's somebody like this is almost the worst. If because uh, the players will always want to fight you, uh, if you make like the character who is sending them on a quest also be a miserable prick, mm. like they are absolutely going to want to do anything but what you're trying to get them to do. So don't do <laughs> that's, that. a, that's a good point. I think that's that's a high school that comes out of high I, school gaming. Yeah, I think so, because it's like, I don't know, it's just like being an asshole. Um, <laughs> but kids. again, like, if every character you meet is an asshole, at some point you just 
just gonna not want to help them <laughs> so that, that's how you get your evil campaign going um but the same i've said before like you have to earn like character betrayals like if the players are being betrayed all the time they're not going to trust anybody and they will just like you don't get any benefit out of it like they're not going to be shocked or surprised when like npc number 254 also <laughs> tries to stab us in the back yeah yeah totally but then again, they might as well also bust into every situation like the Kool-Aid man, like smashing through the wall and be like, screw you, and just taking what they can yeah, get. Yeah, like, if we're going to get screwed regardless, why don't we just do it the easy way? <laughs> you know, we're just going to roll it and grab somebody and hit them until answers come out. Yeah, for everything. You know, right, and yeah, like, once you've got that vibe going, uh, it's very difficult to reverse that. Hmm. Um, and, like, yeah, your campaign is just like this now, and it can follow you, like, to another game. Yeah. So, like, in my opinion, um, even... And people will sometimes quibble with this because, like, logically, like, plenty of people lie about things. Like, people lie all the time, you know, sometimes right. reflexively without even thinking about it. Like, if you've right. interacted with a hum human being, they've told some bullshit. <laughs> you know, we've all done that, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and, but you have to kind of, like, not do that. Um, unless you make it, like, obvious. Like, if you have an NPC who's, like, bragging about something, it's obviously bullshit. Bullshit, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But I think, by and large, you have to kind of, like, let the world play it straight. It's like when um, people get mad when there's, like, a TV show or a movie and one of the characters on the screen is wrong. Like, they say something that they believe as a character and it's wrong. Like, the audience knows that's not what happened. Uh, and people get really mad about it. Like, oh, it's a plot hole. Or, oh, blah, blah. like, it doesn't make sense. But, like, people are wrong all the time. Like, mm. a lot of people are, are really stupid. <laughs> you know, and even smart people are wrong about things. So, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, you have to kind of, like, push that aside. Like, in my opinion, at least, like, the world kind of has to play it straight. Like, if the players are being told something, it should more often than not be true. Or at least, like, reasonably true. It doesn't have to be accurate. Uh, but it should be, like, in the right direction. If they are making a deal, the deal should generally be honored. If they are... Taking a prisoner, the prisoner should generally not like betray them later. Like mm. more often than not, in my opinion, that's kind of what you want because that makes the players like take the world at face value, and that's. And then if you do have a betrayal, like it needs to be set up well. Like mm. oh, okay, you know, like this so, makes sense. Sure, sure, totally. But I would say like with the prisoner betrayal, mm. like it, it, if the players were able to defeat them and showed them mercy. Like it should mm. be assumed that the players are definitely like, have the upper hand and are just flat out more powerful than their prisoner, the opponent. So right, they aren't like, going to do it because they don't have a much chance at all to really get away. Like the odds yeah, are totally bad. Right. They are already got their asses kicked. You know, and the problem is, like, the moment you have, like, they let somebody go because it seems like, oh, okay, that's, like, a reasonable situation. And then that person immediately comes rolling back with, like, 600 reinforcements. Mm. Like, they're just going to, like, war crime every single orc from now on that surrenders. Because <laughs> last time they did it, they got fucked. And why are we, you know. So, yeah, it's just going to, you have to, like, be, you have to kind of, like, just be genuine, I think. 
yeah. Again, unless you've intimated that this character is like untrustworthy, you know, if they if they expect the character is like a lying scumbag, then mm-hmm. play it up and go go nuts. But pick like very carefully uh, when you do like lies and betrayals as mm-hmm. NPCs. Um, again, unless it's like you know, like the big villain is obviously going to lie to you, or whatever. You know, that's sure. fine. Um, but you know. Yeah, that's something I believe like very strongly because I've seen a lot of games just like fall apart when people don't do that. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think right. it also, even if it shouldn't, I think it also just makes the players assume that the GM is being a dick to them. Um, like you can't trust. Like we, everyone has been in like some shitty high school game where like the GM pulls some stupid move. Like oh, right. who didn't ask if there was a, a pit trap? Like okay, but come on, right? <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, and once you get that, unless like that's a very specifically your jam, it's hard to like uh, it's hard to like break back out of that because now like everything becomes suspect. Right. Well, essentially, it's like the game master is playing a bad game of three card Monty. You know, they're scamming <laughs> the players. No, that's certainly true. Um, you know, it's like playing like blackjack, but the GM gets to oh, the dealer gets like swap the cards out. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. No. It's not cool. So, what do you think, yeah. though, about, like, um, like intelligent monsters that mm-hmm. can interact with the players and maybe don't want to devour them or turn them to stone or whatever? Yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, I think that's something that gets overlooked a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, just, like, weird creatures that you can, like, have an encounter with or have an interaction with. Um, yeah. One of the in the long campaign I ran last time, one of the favorite characters they encountered with was a uh, unicorn because uh, they rescued it from like being frozen in a block of ice. And then one of the characters decided like seeing a unicorn was like the coolest thing his character had ever done. <laughs> and fr- from that point on, like they just thought this unicorn was really cool and they wanted to like go like talk to it all the time. Um, so yeah, I think that's really cool. I think you can do it with like crazy monster too. You know, like have. Um, you know, like, go, like, have a chat with a dragon, see what it has to say. Um, or, you know, like, um, a lot of times you have monsters in uh, fantasy games that are, like, really, really old. Like, they've been mm-hmm. alive a thousand years. Like, well, who better to, like, go get information from? They remember when the evil temple was new. Totally. And maybe they're tired, and they just don't want to... They've eaten their yeah. fill. They're just <laughs> bored to death of, like, killing right. everything, because they've done it. They yeah, know they, they already- can Eight three nights this morning. They're done. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you can even say something like that. That would be great, right? Like uh, the horse is all like waiting outside. <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's a way to like subvert things. You know, like you go into like the vampire's castle, and it turns out the vampire isn't actually terrorizing the land. He's just kind of bored and looking for something to do. Yeah, uh, and it turns out there's a different problem, or you know, like it turn, you know, some some other groups like trying to frame the vampire lord because while they're doing some nefarious shit. Um, but yeah, like subverting expectations, I think is always pretty good. And also mm-hmm. it gives you a, a excuse to like role play a character. That's like really weird. <laughs> yep. Know? Cause like, who knows how like a, you know, 3000 year old dragon things. It's probably pretty weird. And it doesn't have like human logic to begin with. Right. You know, or like an, you talk to like an elemental from like a fire dimension. Like, how could you even just say weird shit and like make it memorable? Totally. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's like a really, really good idea. Especially also if you're trying to run like a high fantasy game, you want like some weird shit. You know, you want the characters to meet people who are not really people. 
Yeah. You know, like really bizarre characters, or uh, and that's a really good way of like getting it across. You know, like uh, one of the things I always liked in like uh, fighting fantasy, like game books, is they would always have like, especially like shopkeeps when you're like deep in the jungle or something, and you run into like, there's just like you know, like a stone man or something who's like running a shop in the middle of this hellhole. Mm. Um, or like a bunch of like just weird like cave dwarves who are like deep in a dungeon and they're just surrounded by monsters, but they just like run a restaurant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just like give them strange, weird motivations that are memorable and interesting. Um, yeah. So, I think, uh, this is a, a thing where like uh, JRPGs, like on the PlayStation stuff, actually do a pretty good job at because uh, they're pretty unafraid of like here's like a weird character you'll never see again. Uh, and they have like a cool visual design, and they're obviously like a strange alien or a strange like fantasy creature, sure. and it's just not a big deal. Like they're just there, you know. They they run a shop or they operate like a a toll bridge or something. Yeah, yeah. Another way you could do that would be really fun, or a game master could set that up. That would be fun. Would be like animated objects, like mm-hmm. the the talking tea kettle that some crazy <laughs> wizard created. Just yes. because he was nuts, and now like yeah. it's desperately lonely because it's been sitting in the same place <laughs> for five hundred years, and you just like wander into the old broken down castle ruins, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> actually, I was recently playing through the very first fighting fantasy book, uh, Warlock of Firetop Mountain, mm-hmm. and one of the encounters you can have is you meet a bunch of enchanted like digging like uh, pick pickaxes and shovels. Awesome. And they're like ex- they're excavating a tunnel. Because uh, they're just, like, building out the dungeon. And you, you can actually, like, sit and have a chat with them. Like, just, like, talk shop, I guess. You know, like, That's awesome. Learn. And the encounter has no purpose. Like, you can't do anything else there. It's just, like, a weird little, like, color encounter. But it's just, like, yeah, this is, like, a weird wizard's castle. And he gets up to weird wizard stuff. So, like, let me <laughs> talk, talk to the shovel and see how business is. Sure. My business is digging, and digging is good. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. That was terrible. Um, <laughs> now, Megadeth. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, one, um, I guess, like winding back uh, to the idea of companion characters. One thing mm. that I've only seen in one game, uh, which is Hero Quest, although I'm sure it's used elsewhere. Uh, not the board game, but the. Uh, uh, role-playing game, mm-hmm. is that other characters can literally be a skill on your character sheet in that game. Oh. Uh, so if you have, like, a... Like, if you're a wizard and you have an apprentice, you just have, like, your apprentice's name on the character sheet as a skill. So if you need to, like... If you send him to go do something, you just roll against your skill that represents him, and if you're doing something yourself, he can help you, and he'll give you a bonus based on how much his skill is. Cool. Um... So, and it's the same sort of thing where it's like, okay, if he's doing apprentice stuff, then I get to roll my apprentice skill. And if he's, he can't really do a lot else, you know, Mm -hmm. that's just his, his role. Uh, But it's another way of like adding more characters to your sort of like repertoire um, Mm -hmm. without spending a whole bunch of stuff. Like, you know, like if I forget how character creation works in that game, but like if you get 10 skills, it doesn't matter if those skills are things you can do or things like people around you can do. That's just, hmm. um, which is a really cool way of doing it. Uh, you could kind of like adapt that to a bunch, you know, if your character knows like, um, like, you know, a character who's like a translator. So 
you don't need to be able to speak like Elvish, but you can just roll against his skill instead to do that. Like, you could adapt that to, like, huh. anything. Yeah. So, That's... again, it kind of assumes that, like, um, those characters are not off-limits, but, like, they're not really going to, like, be a major part of anything else, right? Right. Hmm. That but, there, uh, I mean, that is kind of a weird thing for some people, though, because it, it's like when things go down. Uh, yeah, it's like that, a like a level of abstraction, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and sometimes, yeah, like some people don't get like weird about that when there's like a clear because it's basically like taking a part of the like game world and saying like okay this exists for the purpose of a specific mechanic mm -hmm. uh so you kind of assume like okay the orcs are not gonna come like eat your translator because well, i guess they don't care or they're just not interested he's just like you know he goes and cowers like, every time there's a threat he just like goes hides in the corner and he just kind of avoids getting eaten <laughs> guess if they're they're good at hiding or if the players lose then it's assured that they're gonna get chomped down anyway yeah so like you know like he's not gonna fight like a squad of orcs on his own so if you if you die or you know like he just gets eaten as well sorry buddy um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like some people, that would be like an unacceptable like level of abstraction. So it's, mm. that depends on like how like uh, uh, how prosaic like your group is, I guess, or how like what kind of style you're like into. Right, right. Uh, but even then, like a lot of times, like when I run like RuneQuest or something, I don't like write full like NPC like character sheets. I just write like guard sixty percent. You know, like he has a sixty percent skill in anything that's related to being a guard, and then I just like minus 20 or something if it's something he's not really like trained in yeah sure um like i've done that for years you know if it's like a white wolf game you just write down the dice pool and again like you just write down whatever they like how good are they at the one thing that they need to do and if they mm. happen to need anything else then just roll at some sort of penalty you know or make the difficulty higher yeah that makes sense uh, you know like that um and then you know if you need to like upgrade a character like they have to be they become like a regular companion. Maybe you fill out a character sheet or you fill out like a few more skills or something. But I think a lot of times GMs are prone to like over, like spend too much time fucking around with like character sheets and stuff. I don't yeah. Know just over preparing and setting. It's frustrating to set up things that do not happen. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think, um, and by making like simpler NPCs, I think you are spending less time on like, crap you won't need mm -hmm. like how often does it really matter like what this guy's like skill at like running a shop is if that's <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah um there is um some old adventures i'm lying around and like every single npc is like statted out like a full character with every single skill and it's cool in a way you can go in and see okay this guy if he ever needs to like go look for like flowers or herbs he has a skill in that and it's this and I can roll for it, but that will never happen. Cause he's just like the head of like the merchant's guild. And there's no <laughs> reason for him to ever be doing that. Uh, so it's cool to have all that information, but yeah, like you don't need that shit. Um, right. <clears throat> what skills will he actually roll for in the context of the game? Yeah. Um, and like, also, you know, like if you know the game, you're playing pretty well, you already know like what a good or a bad number is. Right. Mm, totally. You know, like, if it's GURPS or something, like, a character with a 16 is really damn good, and a character with a 9 is kind of shit. That's, 
all you kind of need on the fly. Like, okay, this guy's like a typical city guard. He's not going to be terrible. He's not really going to be like an elite warrior either. He's just going to be a schlub, so we'll give him 11. Right, right. You know, like, I think there's just so much of that, like, fucking around with numbers that you can get, like, absorbed into. And unless the game is one where you absolutely need, like, tightly balanced encounters, then, like, yeah, you can th- throw a lot of that in the bin, I think. Mm-hmm. You know? And again, it's, like, like with RuneQuest is a good example, because people will often say, like, oh, it's kind of, like, a dense game to prepare for, because there's so much stuff. But again, like, you mostly don't need it like you need to know like the basic stats for your character you need like the dexterity for initiative rolls like well average for human is 11 so unless it's a good reason not to he's got 11 um you need to know like his skill in his weapon because it's like a guard or something <clears throat> you know that an average human has like 12 hit points or whatever like you just kind of go down the list you know he's got a spear and some leather armor well we know what those stats are like, you don't need to work out any of that. Um, mm-hmm. Just work out whatever is, like, if you know something is difficult for you to do on the fly, um, you know, like, a lot of times I will, like, write down, like, the weapons and equipment they have. Uh, just because mm. I like the idea that I'm those are already set. Like, if they're guards and they're protecting this place, those guards have short swords and, like, crossbows because that's what they were given. Yeah, um, totally. Standard issue. Having the standard issue set so you can just, you just know... Yeah automatically yeah no exactly and that can also like make the world feel like if you're fighting like a specific like mercenary unit maybe they always use particular equipment you know mm-hmm. be easier for that, them like that's how military forces roll like yeah they're not gonna have like two dudes with axes and one with a pike and one with a crossbow and you know like that's not <laughs> you're gonna have like a bunch of dudes with spears and Probably. they and then you have a bunch of dudes with bows or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like just be, um, be simple and be like, yeah, have like standards that you use. Um, a lot of times, um, especially older games, would suggest you would like prepare a whole bunch of different characters. I always wanted to do this, but I've never done it. Where you take like a bunch of stack of index cards and you just create characters and put one on each card. And like at some points when you need to, you just like pull one out of this giant stack and. You know, I'm like, hey, we're traveling somewhere. You pull a dude out of your stack of cards, and that's a dude they meet. Yeah, that is cool. You know, so you pull out, like, oh, this is, like, a, a drunken monk who, like, wants him to help with something, but he doesn't remember where he lives, so he can't, like, lead them there or whatever. Like, <laughs> you know, they, like, they could be serious, they could be doofy, they could be threats, they could be just weird encounters. But just, I don't know, I always just thought it would be really cool to do. I've just never had, like, a chance to... Yeah, I, mean, I guess yeah. you could do it on the computer, just write out a big text file and like cross them off as you use them. Mm-hmm. So, especially if you're playing like a war, uh, kind of like an open world thing where there's like lots of travel and stuff, you're always gonna have, you know, like need to populate the world with like stuff you can meet, and people you can meet, and things. Yeah, so it's totally. Not just like, um, but yeah, um, I guess it's one of those things where it's, there's almost like a, a second episode that's just like. Uh, ways of like cutting down on like stupid uh, prep time mm-hmm. uh, but I feel like that ties into so heavily into NPCs with like you know just like make it practical for the player because I think sometimes especially if you're kind of new to jamming it's easy to kind of like shy away from having NPCs well um, yeah because people think they have to fill out a ton of detail that's not needed yeah and then on top of that you have to like role play this character 
on top of like um like you're running an adventure you're keeping track of your plot and keeping track of the rules like it's just like one more thing and that can be difficult like sometimes you know like i'm not i don't think i'm bad at npcs but i'm not like super great at it either it's one of the skills that i'm working on you know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so it's just one of those things where like anything you can do to like make it easier for yourself and make it more just more likely to succeed because you know you create an npc the players really like it's gonna like that <clears throat> it's gonna make it like way more gung ho to like do it again. Right, right, totally. Um, uh, yeah, I I think that's a, a good place to to wind things down. Um, abstraction yeah. is is good. Uh, abstraction do you have any... is probably your friend. Yeah, 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 totally. <clears throat> what what are your kind of closing thoughts that to pull it all together? I guess. Yeah, I think to pull it all together, think about, don't overthink it. That's going to be my, like, uh, takeaway. Like, don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. Both as far as the NPC's role in the game. They can just be a bit player. They can just be a random person. They can just be there to, like, get across a little bit of flavor. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, don't don't work out any more than you really need to. Um, and focus on, like, what's player-facing. Like, don't create like a whole complicated backstory for this character unless it's relevant to the players. They'll never find out probably. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, to tie in to other things like betrayal is dangerous and can upset players and, uh, like cynical, yeah. dark, extra dark worlds are, are boring. You can have happy NPCs. <laughs> you can have celebrations like mix right, all like, that stuff up. Yeah. Like even in like places in real life that are like absolutely like terrible shitholes, people still like crack jokes and like, if anything, like they're more likely to. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally. how people like cope with stuff. So yeah, like you can still have a bleak and grim world, but make sure that your players are actually invested in like keeping the place around. Cause otherwise it's going to give it over to the demon Lord. I'm like whatever, have this place. It sucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck these dudes. Yeah. I mean, NPCs in a sense are about mixing things up. Yeah. Like it's variety. It's color, you know, it's yep. all, all the stuff that makes it not a computer game and even computer yeah. games. So NPCs, you know, they yeah, yeah, tend, to, tend to say the one same thing. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. I like swords. <laughs> well, uh, and I, on that note, I, I think we're done for for the evening. You got anything else to add? Or no, I think that's kind of it. It's one of those like super sprawling topics. So we're trying to kind of keep it keep it constrained, and I think we'll probably return to some of these things in a future episode. Um, yeah, but for now, something to kind of sit and think about and. You know, mull over what you what you want to do. Totally, totally. And as always, thanks a lot for checking in and listening to our ramblings. And uh, we hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Yeah, get some turkey. You can even have turkey even if you aren't in America. It's fine. <laughs> so, get some. It's good stuff. Have a good night, guys. Good night.